Hello, everyone, and welcome to our The Week That Was in Europe podcast. My name is Dirk Schumacher. I'm the head of European macro research at Natixis, and with me, as usual, is Klaus Adam, professor of economics at the University of Mannheim. Welcome also from my side. So today we'd like to talk about uh, Europe's response to the energy crisis and other challenges that Europe faces. And we'd like also to take a closer look at the French economy. And um, for this, we have uh, the perfect guest with us today, Agnes Benassi-Carré. Uh, Agnes is the chief economist at the French Treasury. And she's also professor of economics at the Paris School of Economics and at uh, Sorbonne. So I'd like to take time to um, to listen, you know, it would take a lot of time to listen to all her affiliations. So I'd better stop here. So thanks for coming to the podcast, Agnes. Hello, thanks for the invitation. So let's start right away uh, with a question on France. Um, so inflation in France remains um, significantly lower than in the other big euro area countries. And the main reason seems to be that there is a price cap uh, for energy prices that the French government has acted quite quickly uh, when uh, energy prices started to rise. So why did the government choose this strategy and not, say, a more direct income support uh, strategy for households in need or enterprises in need? And also, would you recommend such a strategy more widely at the euro area level? Okay, so, uh, so this uh, price cap needs to be um, uh, understood um, within a, a number of other measures. Uh, so um, checks, uh, energy checks were sent also to, to uh, poor households. But um, more importantly, in France, the minimum wage is uh, fully indexed on the first quintile of, uh, of households' inflation. And uh, so year on year in October, it increased by 8%. So much more than uh, the uh, consumer price index, which is measured for the, the whole uh, population. Uh, also, uh, the uh, minimum income transfers, uh, family, family allowances um, are fully indexed. Also pensions are fully indexed. Hence, uh, the bottom of uh, the distribution uh, is quite well protected against inflation. And it's not the case for the medium, uh, the, the, the middle class, which uh, was uh, severely hit by this sudden uh, surge in energy prices. So <clears throat> another reason uh, is that when you look at uh, the, um, the figures of the statistical institutes in France, what they show is that the, the exposure to energy prices, of course, is different across this size of, um, of income. Uh, however, uh, the, the difference is not so large. It's much larger uh, for, for um, rural households versus urban households, and also depending on age. So if you want to really target uh, those households that are suffering more from uh, the surge in energy prices, it's extremely difficult, very complicated, because it's not just along the income schedule. So for these two reasons, uh, the government uh, very quickly um, capped the price of uh, electricity, gas, and also uh, inclu in included a rebate on, on uh, gasoline uh, for drivers. But of course, this is a quick fix. 
uh, this is not something that will last. So, so far, uh, in effect, uh, these measures, according to the Statistical Institute, uh, will uh, have reduced uh, inflation rate by about three percentage points year on year. Um, on average, over the year, it's more like two percent, uh, around two percent. Uh, so this explains a uh, part, of course, of uh, of the, the differences. Also, uh, the wage increase is less because the ICP, the the, uh, the consumer price uh, index increases less, and because the French uh, economy is um, uh, mostly an economy of services, uh, the the wage the 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 wage bill is a very large part of uh, of the cost of the industries, so it's also related uh, to that. So these different factors explain why inflation so far has been lower than in other countries. In the last figures we have is uh, plus 7.1 percent for the harmonized consumer price index uh, index in in France in November. Uh, compared to say 12.5% uh, in Italy and 11.3% uh, in Germany. So it's clearly less. However, uh, to the extent that the increase in energy prices is uh, partly permanent, uh, we expect inflation uh, to at some point converge to other countries and even stay higher a longer period. Uh, so there was also the idea that smoothing inflation over a longer period would avoid uh, the volatility and instability of relative prices that is detrimental to investment and to the activity in general. So to reduce the uncertainty around relative prices was also uh, one objective of, uh, of this policy. Um, starting in January, so the rebate on gasoline will be, uh, uh, will be uh, done, will be um, over. And there will be an increase uh, in January and February uh, on uh, in in um, gas and electricity prices for households, plus 15%. Um, so, so, so the idea is to progressively increase uh, these prices and at some point uh, to remove any uh, any cap. Yes. What about the aspect to other countries? Would you think that was a success overall, or would you With recommend the? Would you recommend the approach to other countries more widely? I would say that it depends on the institutions of each country. When you have indexation, again, when you have indexation of, of lower wages, uh, if you uh, provide income support to those who are already protected through indexation, you pay twice, while you leave the middle class without any protection. Uh, so, um, so the idea is, is uh, to, to progressively move, move to something smarter, uh, but certainly, it was not uh, it was not the solution in France to provide uh, the, the, this income support to uh, modest households. Whereas in other countries, it, it's completely different. So I, I would I would say that in this crisis, the the the, the shock is largely uh, symmetric. However, the institutions of the labor market and the institutions of uh, social protection are different, and we need to adapt to this uh, diversity. I mean, inflation clearly remains the, the topic for policymakers across the, uh, Europe. Um, how do you think could supply side reforms on the level of the European Union and on the country level help to alleviate the inflationary pressure? And do you think that the EU Next Generation program can have a significant effect in that respect in lifting trend growth and therefore also being disinflationary? 
Okay, so this is a tricky question because uh, as economists, we all know that uh, when there is inflation, uh, um, expansionary fiscal policy is not the way to go. And we uh, clearly agree on that. Uh, however, we also know that uh, at this stage, what is important is uh, to support uh, the building up of alternatives to Russian gas. And, and uh, there was also subsidization in all countries, a subsidization of, uh, of gas um, inventories. Um, so these measures, uh, these short term measures, uh, they cost money. So the, you could end up with uh, more uh, public spending. So the, the big question is the composition of, of public spending, whether twisting the, uh, the public spending uh, towards more supply side policies would re at least not fuel more inflation in the economy and uh, on the contrary, try to, to, to reduce uh, the, um, the pressure. Uh, so this is um, a very important uh, point for the short term, also for the medium term. We know that um, this crisis is just the first step to something much more ambitious, which is uh, the Fit for 55 package and more generally the transition, where uh, the, uh, the, uh, the, the government will have to invest heavily, uh, hence to spend more. Uh, and uh, so they, there's all this discussion about greenflation, whether this will uh, produce more inflation over a longer period. So there's a big uh, discussion about that. Of course, what you would like is to um, switch uh, to, to have less con public consumption, less uh, may maybe less uh, social transfers, hence the pension reform in France, which is <laughs> the big topic at this stage. Uh, so less transfers, more investment, uh, so a uh, different composition of public expenditures during this uh, transition, uh, which would help make the, make the transition uh, compensate uh, some households and some uh, firms and also invest in the infrastructure. Uh, so and li limit the, the, the inflation uh, going forward. So this is what we have in mind. Uh, it cannot be overnight. It can uh, um, be um, implemented overnight. There is a lot of um, inertia in public spending and also a lot of uh, social uh, opposition. So you, you need to, to do it uh, step by step, hence a period where unfortunately you have, you, you need to invest more, but you still have a lot of spending in other areas. Uh, I, I would also like to mention that we will need to invest heavily in education. In our country, education is not doing uh, well in international uh, um, rankings. And, and we have uh, the transition. We need to reallocate labor uh, from um, brown uh, jobs to uh, green jobs and uh, massively, massively to construction. And so that there will be a need to, to and uh, it's the same in other countries, a need to, to invest heavily in education. So this is going to be a, a different, different, difficult time for governments, uh, for, for, for public finance uh, to uh, do the transition without an explosion of a public debt. Yeah, so let's uh, come to a somewhat brighter spot, uh, particularly in France now. So the labor market for quite a while has been somewhat of the weak spot in the French economy. It reflected in quite high numbers of unemployment structurally, it seemed. But now the French labor market is uh, 
really showing remarkable robustness. The labor force participation rate has been trending up strongly and has reached a new 20-year high. And uh, labor force participation now stands three percentage points higher than it stood 20 years ago. And also, at the same time, unemployment is hovering very close to a 20-year low. So what, what, in your view, explains this really very healthy performance? <laughs> so uh, yes, this is the, the, the good uh, news in France is the uh, very uh, robust uh, situation of the labor market. Even the latest uh, figures are quite encouraging. Uh, the labor market seems relatively resilient. So in this uh, crisis with tensions on labor market hiring, um, so we have a margin of adjustment, which is uh, the uh, employment rate, and we try to um, mobilize uh, this uh, margin more. So I, a few a few days ago, I was in a meeting and people were, were discussing increasing uh, uh, tax rates uh, to to finance uh, new spending. And I think in France, uh, the margin is not in taxation. For sure, <laughs> tax, uh, the, the overall tax burden is very large, very high, the highest in, OECD, in the OECD. Uh, the margin is really in the labor market. So um, uh, a reform, a very, very uh, uh, structural reform, s several structural reforms uh, were um, uh, were carried out in the previous mandate of uh, President Macron. Uh, one of well, maybe I will just sing, single one out, which is um, apprenticeship, a reform of apprenticeship, where uh, the uh, subsidization of apprenticeship is uh, given to a student instead of a school. So the student can move around with its grants and give it to a school. And so this introduces a kind of market. It's not a market, of course, but a competition uh, between schools to hire more students, hire more firms, of course, uh, in order to get more resources. And this has been uh, amplified during the COVID crisis with um, a, a very large uh, subsidy, an increased subsidy given. So basically, uh, the first year of apprenticeship uh, was for free uh, for, for, for a firm. And it had a huge success in the period of uh, of uh, tensions in the labor market just after the the, the, the COVID, it had a, a huge success. Of course, it's very costly, so we need now to to reduce uh, the generosity of the scheme. But uh, a good thing that is that it changed the mindset also in families, where apprenticeship now is considered as a good way of um, of uh, being uh, integrated in the labor market. Uh, so I, I think this is uh, some an asset for the future. So the increase in the employment rate of the youth is a large part of of uh, the the good uh, um, the hike in the uh, overall employment rate. Um, but it's also true that uh, unemployment uh, has been uh, reduced in um, all uh, uh, ages for all ages and. What is also interesting is that long term, the share of long term contracts has increased. So these are good jobs. It's not just that uh, you have uh, um, some turnover in, in the labor market. We also have uh, the impact of past uh, pension reforms. So the, the um, uh, employment rate of senior households goes up 
has been going up steadily over the past and we want to uh, accelerate uh, this in the, in the future because uh, senior uh, the, the employed senior so the unemployment of the senior um, workers is the lowest in the population so we expect uh, to to increase the employment rate uh, through this but of course this is not the end uh, so the, the, the in the short term uh, the labor market may deteriorate. Uh, we also have uh, some uh, mismatch, uh, geographic mismatch, uh, also due to uh, difficulties in uh, housing, which needs to be need to be solved. Uh, we have also uh, some uh, mismatches in terms of skills, um, and uh, so so more needs to be done, especially in the um, uh, the the choices made by the youth in terms of employment in terms of uh, curriculum uh, they not always have the good information of where the jobs are so we need really to improve this these these kind of uh, reforms are not very costly and they can have a very very uh, large impact uh, on the matching between uh, uh, young uh, young workers and and firms so this is uh, uh, what I, I can do. So of course the flip side of uh, uh, these, the good uh, resilience of the labor market and the good performance actually of the labor market is um, lower productivity. Uh, when so we don't have a total clue of uh, this uh, lower productivity. So compared to pre-crisis trend, we are clearly below. Uh, we don't have all the clues. One is can be explained by the surge in apprenticeship because uh, these are considered employed, whereas they only work part-time. Um, another, uh, an, another possibility is uh, the mismatch of the new hirings. So uh, service uh, with uh, firms tend to, to uh, indicate that firms uh, hire people that are less um, uh, prepared for the job, hence you expect at least in the in the first month uh, on the on the on the job to be less productive. So this could be also uh, an explanation. Another one is um, also um, uh, in certain sectors like the car industry, um, they produce less due to uh, supply chain um, um, disruptions, and they kept they kept the the, the workers. Uh, because I knew that uh, it would be difficult to hire, to find uh, new workers if they if they lost uh, these workers. So this also weighed on on uh, on productivity. It should be also only temporary. Uh, so there are big discussions uh, about whether uh, productivity will uh, will uh, converge back to the pre-crisis trend, or whether this is a permanent uh, permanent loss in uh, productivity. Um, now, uh, they, the, uh, historically, uh, France uh, was a, a country with very high productivity per hour, per hour, but with a high unemployment. So moving to a more standard situation with lower productivity per hour, but more employment, probably is something uh, positive uh, for, for the economy as a whole, and especially for the uh, social cohesion. Shifting back to the, the, the European level, um, many argue that a lack of coordination when it comes to fiscal policy between the countries, but also say between countries and the ECB, 
is a problem or is even a fault line for the uh, monetary union. Would you agree with that, that this is indeed a, a very fundamental problem and, and what can be done about that? Okay, so I, I published a, a few, uh, two years ago, I published a Geneva paper with uh, some courses on, on this topic. At that time, we were very far from what where we are today. Uh, but still, I think the, um, the messages are, are still valid today. Um, so before inflation started to uh, increase, uh, there was a kind of coordination between uh, monetary policy and fiscal policy, where monetary policy was asking explicitly fiscal policy to support inflation. Uh, and and um, and what we argued in this uh, in this paper was uh, that it, we need we needed to stay uh, in the, in the middle of the of the road and not to merge the two policies monetary and fiscal because the credibility of one depends on the credibility of the other one and uh, what we were arguing also were, was that these two policies had become complements instead of substitutes. And today, uh, I think it's still the case that the two policies are complement, but maybe, maybe uh, in a different way, in the sense that, um, as I said before, uh, austerity, fiscal austerity, may not be really possible in the short term for the reasons I explained, and uh, may, if depending on the content of uh, of the spending may not have such a huge impact on uh, inflation. Of course, it depends on the content of, of the of the of the spending. So <clears throat> overall, I think that uh, what is really needed is uh, coordination across uh, uh, across fiscal authorities, across uh, European governments. And this has always been the fault line of in the EU area where we have uh, rules that are designed for um, sustainability, which is of course uh, extremely important, but there is uh, less success in attempts to coordinate the fiscal stance and uh, also in view uh, of other macro imbalances. Uh, so this is something uh, we need to work on and also uh, when designing the new fiscal rules to have in mind. Yeah, so there is a discussion at the European level about the new fiscal framework, about, say, a reform of the Stability and Growth Pact. The EU Commission has come up with a proposal. It hasn't been very warmly received on the German side. So uh, there is uh, still a lot of controversy going on. So what's your view on, you know, uh, the fiscal framework going forward? Uh, you know, how should it look like? Uh, is there a role for financial markets in monitoring? I, we know they haven't been very good at that uh, in in the past, they woke up too late and then perhaps did a little too much of of the monitoring then uh, afterwards. So what's your view on, you know, how we should proceed with this rule framework at the European mm. level? So when we discuss the fiscal rules, we need to uh, also think about the counterfactual. If the counterfactual is to come back to old rules, it's probably a, a bad solution because we know that they are not credible. Um, and uh, so uh, coming back to, uh, to to rules that we already know that are not credible, hence there is a risk that are not uh, respected, uh, is really uh, not good. Uh, so now I, I think the Commission has a point with uh, ownership, so um, relying on the proposals of, of member states in terms of uh, adjustment path. 
and uh, talking with the member states um, uh, so and the balance between the speed of the adjustment and the content of the uh, spending uh, investment content in particular but also the reforms i think this is a good thing um, <clears throat> because uh, as we know sanctions are very difficult to implement hence relying on something that the the government itself has proposed has is more likely uh, to to work in sense of commitment. Uh, the problem the, the Germans, I don't understand, have with this is the central role of the Commission, which would have a bilateral uh, discussion with member states. So we need to 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 work uh, to uh, to uh, make our German friends uh, more uh, relaxed uh, about this. Uh, maybe uh, with the Council, with uh, uh, the the European Fiscal Board or whatever, um, to to reassure uh, the Germans. But um, to the extent that next generation EU uh, of, uh, methodology seems to have worked, uh, you can understand what the Commission is trying to, to repeat to a certain extent uh, this uh, methodology. Now, um, I think that also uh, the, the idea to have the same rule for everybody is a bit misleading because um, the, the Commission proposes to have tighter tighter commitments for high debt countries, which is something you would expect. You don't you don't want the same type of adjustment to apply whatever the initial level of debt. So I think this is also uh, welcome. Um, now, uh, at the end, uh, of course, like uh, like always, it depends on the implementation uh, and you will always have a, a trade off between uh, being smart and be uh, and a simple transparent framework. So the debt sustainability analysis is not especially uh, transparent and simple compared to the output gap. However, depending on how you implement it, it could, it's certainly smarter than the output gap. So depend, it will depend on the implementation, how they can uh, communicate uh, around this. Also, something that we need to be um, careful about is that the Commission will um, have a, a reference uh, path for adjustments. And, and the question is when this reference path is published. If it's published before national governments have proposed their own uh, path, then uh, the ownership is ruined. It, it needs to only to appear when the, the, the government, they have not agreed on uh, something, then probably uh, we, we need a, a reference path to, to, to apply. But starting with this reference path, I think would uh, reduce uh, the ownership uh, going forward. So this is uh, what I can do, uh, say. I think it's a good step. Uh, it's a step in the right direction. It corresponds also the the idea to use uh, an expenditure rule as an operational uh, uh, tool is also welcome. And I think this corresponds to kind of uh, consensus among experts, that it's more resilient, it's more uh, consistent with uh, counter-cyclicality. Um, so I think this is a good also a, a good direction. So to sum up, uh, uh, some work, of course, needs to be done, but it's a good starting point for, for the discussion among member states. Thank you. I'll, I'll try a quick summary of what you said. Um, uh, so 
The price cap um, put in place by the French government reflects um, many, a part of many measures and also the institutional background in France, i.e. the indexation of, of wages, uh, low income households to inflation and therefore cannot easily be uh, transferred to other countries. But it, it was, if you will, quite effective, 3% less inflation because of that. Supply side reforms as a possible remedy against high inflation. We need, if I understood correctly, um, certainly more supply side reforms in terms of investment that all we need to get independent of, of on uh, Russian gas or energy that will involve more investment spending and help uh, over the medium term. At the same time, investment spending can be inflationary. Uh, and getting the mix right there is, is not so straightforward. The French labor market past structural reforms clearly were important here and have contributed. And you mentioned the, the new vocational training apprentices uh, schemes. Um, and the margin of adjustment in France is indeed the labor market, according to your view, and not other political uh, or other levers the government uh, would have. Uh, the robustness of the labor market leads to this kind of interesting uh, fact that productivity, labor productivity is coming down, but that is, if you will, a positive side effect, a kind of a mini collateral damage that has to be taken into account and is more normalization. Coordination of fiscal uh, policy. So in the past, fiscal policy and monetary policy were complements to some extent. Uh, they are still, but... Uh, you thought it'd be better if they more separate. Um, there is a need for coordination across countries and also needs to take into account macro imbalances. But I guess the, how to do that is, is not so straightforward and leads us to the question about fiscal rules in the euro area. So the old rules you think were not credible. Um, and uh, the new proposal put forward by the European Commission, uh, you seem to like the most of the ideas. Um, the ownership is an important element. Uh, the role of the European Commission is still somewhat contested and the German government seems to be critical and that still needs to be sorted out. Was that a fair summary? I think it's uh, much better than what I said. Uh, <laughs> I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> but, but in uh, any case, yeah, so I think this is a, a good summary of what I said. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time, Agnes, and we hope at some point in future we can come back to you and see how all this has played out. With pleasure. Thanks.